0: Please stay with us. Good afternoon, and welcome to Cover to Cover Open Book. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Today, we bring you an interview with Dr. Shakti Butler. Dr. Butler is the executive director of World Trust, a nonprofit organization committed to creating sustainable communities. There, she initiated heart to heart conversations a national program of public dialogue that speaks to critical social issues of race, gender, class, and sexual orientation. Dr. Butler is a producer and director of the groundbreaking documentaries, The Way Home and Light in the Shadows. She's here to talk about her forthcoming documentary, Making Whiteness Visible. This film weaves together the experiences and stories of white women and men of various ages and backgrounds who have worked to gain clarity and understanding of what it means to be white in the United States. I started by asking her to describe her upcoming film, Making Whiteness Visible.
1: This new film actually features the experiences of stories of white women and men who have worked to gain insight into what it means to challenge notions of racism and white supremacy in the United States. And so what they're really doing is sharing their stories about how they became aware of issues of race and how they move through all the places where white people can tend to get stuck when dealing with issues of race. So they're actually teaching as they share their stories. And uh, the purpose of the film is to be a powerful catalyst for dialogue for the people who are watching it. So there's a lot of learning that can go on, transformative learning.
0: Who do you see
1: your audience being when you work on these documentaries? Well, you know, my experience has been that it's everybody. And by everybody, I mean, yes, we do work a lot within the educational system, college systems, but also in nonprofit organizations and, you know, spiritual and religious institutions and government institutions because we're actually dealing with a subject that affects everybody. So we have a very broad audience. I know
0: that you have included quite a few of white men and women that have made race an issue in their political work. What is important about white people acknowledging racism and the role of whiteness?
1: Mm -hmm. I believe, and, and my experience has been, that normally when we're having conversations about race, or when there's a conversation about oppression, whoever the target group is, they are always in the position where they're explaining their story, explaining their situation, explaining how they're affected. And, of course, racism is a dynamic that involves more than the people who are affected by it. It's by the people who are also participating in creating systems that uh, keep us from living in a society that's equitable. And in this particular case, those people are white people. And I think it's very important for white people to be able to teach for, I'll say, two primary reasons. One, because they can talk about their experience of what it means to be white in a way that I can't. And so they can capture the ear of other white people in a way that I cannot. And secondly, because I think it's empowering for white people to be able to say, yes, this is what's going on this is how we participate in the system and now because i'm conscious about it i'm at choice about how i want to behave and how i want to intervene both at the micro level which is the personal and interpersonal as well as the macro level which is you know systemic community kind of uh... places and organizations
0: Mm -hmm. well i wanted to ask you about that conversation at a very personal level because you have the, uh, the patent answers uh, many times when you have a person of color saying, you know what, I feel that there's a, a race dynamic taking place here. Mm-hmm. And so many times, even within the progressive movement, you have, no, it's not,
1: you know. Yes. <laughs> and so who defines that? Well, first of all, in speaking about definition uh i think that racism is probably one of the most misused words racism is more than bigotry it's, it's you know being a bigot uh, as it's stated in the movie is an equal opportunity phenomenon racism is about taking those ideas that are either not fully formed because they people don't know uh, people of color and so there's stereotyping and there's prejudice and all those kinds of things but it's taking those uh, um, aspects of being and translating them into policy and law so it's about power and I believe that when one really starts to look at what racism is then there's more deconstructing that has to happen and, and white people like most people want to believe that they're good people and they don't want to feel guilty and they don't want to feel shame uh, about participating in the system that they would rather have just not be there. <laughs> it's very challenging. People get really threatened by the notion that they have a privilege because I think it, again, it makes them feel guilty. And, they, you know, they want to feel good. They want to feel, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Why are you saying this about me? I didn't do anything. That's right. They didn't do anything. They just were born white. And so they partake of this unconsciously. But you have to become aware of it at a certain point. I feel if you want to live with some integrity, living in the United States.
0: there's a lot of good people that are doing amazing work and a lot of good white people doing amazing work right and so how do you create that that bridge if you will to engage in the dialogue Mm -hmm. without having people feel like they have all of you know the the stigma of racism weighing on their shoulders as an individual
1: right Um, I personally believe that what we do with these films is actually an equal opportunity learning session having said that i do believe that people go through all kinds of feelings some people feel guilty some people feel embarrassed some people cry some people have a whole well there's a whole range of reactions that happen that's not really my concern my concern is how do we as a society begin to learn how to talk about things that are hard and how do we do that without getting trapped in a dualistic dynamic that says I'm right and you're wrong only Mm -hmm. I think that as a nation as a world we need to expand our capacity to understand what it means to be paradoxical beings we as people are able to be wonderful and we can also be horrible you know we have our good side and we have our shadow side and that being said If we do not begin to cultivate the capacity to have difficult conversations, then what happens is we get lost in a world of denial. We get lost in a world where equality cannot live. And that is the point of being able to talk about this stuff. So, of course, all kinds of feelings come up, but that's not the intention. And I think... Because the films that I have created and this one that I am creating is grounded in the intention of trying to pull forth people's greatness, um, that that it presents a posture that allows people to have deep and meaningful conversations that actually support change. Now
0: you made reference to the other films that you have produced and directed mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk a little bit about this because this is part of a series, right? Yes. Yes. And you uh, first started with The Way Home. Yes. And then Light in the Shadows.
1: They also dealt with the issue of race. Yes. Uh, can you talk a little bit about them? Sure. Uh The Way Home actually grew out of a lot of work I did with The Color of Fear and um, when I traveled and did workshops with that film, people always said to me, well, where are the women? And I started dreaming about women and women being able to bring their voice, bring our voices to this topic because I feel that we, we present um, and, and study and uh, work with issues differently than men. And so we created eight separate ethnic councils of women because I know as an African-American woman that there are conversations I'm going to have within my own community that I'm not going to have out in the general public. And I really wanted to be able to get at, well, you know, what do Arab women talk about when they're amongst themselves and they're talking about race? What about, you know, Native folks and Latinas and Asians and multiracial people and so on and so forth? And so we created a process to try to capture some of those conversations. The second movie, Light in the Shadows, actually shows where and how these conversations can break down. And so it's really for people who've already done a lot of work. And again, it was the co-facilitators of the women who participated in The Way Home that actually were having some friction. And we get to look at how that happens. This particular movie is different in the sense that Having done so many workshops at this point, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of them, there's a dynamic that always happens. And I wanted to be able to create something where white folks could take the lead and where they could actually teach, um, not by having all the answers, but by being able to share their process. And... And have that offered as an invitation for other people to engage in a process of learning. Because, as we know, uh, dealing with oppression is a process. You can't just give somebody the answers and say, okay, now this is what you're supposed to do. And, of course, that's where we all get stuck. We want to be politically correct. And I think Tim Wise really talks about what happens with white people when they get stuck in and also haven't had the experience i mean you know we live in the bay area but i travel across the country and uh, it's pretty scary out there uh... for white folks who just do not have any interactions with people of color at all and so he describes that dynamic very well that's the kind of thing we're trying to address with this movie and
0: so when young white people say and it is the litany of things um... They're making a mountain out of a molehill. They're exaggerating. They're hypersensitive. They make everything about race. All of those comments are about being able to have been in this white space for all your life and never have to think about how that was a racialized space so that when a person of color brings up racism to most white people particularly young white people who have no sort of historical memory of race let alone contemporary understanding to them it's like well race wasn't in the room until you brought it up right race was not a problem until the black person says it or the latino says it or the asian pacific island or the indigenous person brings it up then race is in the room because they've again never had to think of their space as racialized space because they don't know the stories of their own parents how did their parents get that house so how do you address the elephant in the room in a constructive way
1: well my particular style grows out of a couple of things one is that i believe in the basic goodness of human beings and i don't mean that superficially i mean that sometimes that's a lot of work to really maintain that particular perspective but because I believe that I think people want to be good they want to do the best that they possibly can and so I speak to that strength now of course there are always exceptions to the rule but that's not how our particular conversation structure is oriented and each film has a conversation guide and the and so the guide is, is put together to try to invite people to go deeper to see who they really are and how they're showing up in the world in this particular um, video there are eight sections and this might uh, give some kind of idea and because the guide will be aligned with these eight sections the first section is the open which sort of gives the context or the central premise of the film the way we handle that is that when we work we always start with what's called the conocimiento Which is building community. You can't do this kind of work unless you build community with the folks in the room. And you have to take some time to do that. The second part of the film is called beginnings. Which are childhood or childhood experiences of racism. Or beginning to notice that there's difference. The third is called the ground shifts. Which is um, these people leaving home going off to college or wherever they go and having experiences that lead to an understanding of racism being more than personal that it's also institutionalized the fourth section is called the sickness within which is that shift in consciousness that says I'm beginning to see that there's a problem and that problem includes us meaning white people and that we as white people can be in denial But it's important to understand that we are racialized beings. We live in a racialized society. The fifth section is called conversations, which is how do we do the work, which is the need, it establishes the need for white people to teach, to talk, to reach out to other white people who would never listen to me the sixth is called the labyrinth is that even though I'm engaged in learning you know it's not a straight shot there are places where I'm going to get stuck where I'm going to fall back into not knowing and it's good to be able to talk about that the seventh is called A Thousand Little Cuts which are the daily textures of racism and how privilege is worked into society and what the effect of that is upon people of color, and the eighth is called The Life I Would Live, which is envisioning the future, why we must continue to work on this issue.
0: You've been listening to Dr. Shakti Butler, and we're talking about her latest film project, Making Whiteness Visible. I'm Amelia Gonzalez, and you're listening to Cover to Cover, Open Book. You know, it's interesting that you end with The Life That I Would Live. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times I find that within the movement, we are so geared towards fighting against Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and not really thinking about what we're fighting for. Thank you. And and that that is where we get stuck sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about how to get
1: unstuck, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd actually like to respond to that both at a personal level and then maybe at a broader level. Um. My particular way of getting unstuck is through spiritual practice. I mean, I would say, I would call myself a spiritual warrior. The practice that calls me most is meditation and chanting. And I meditate and I chant to move through, not fly over or to go around difficult situations. It is a practice, and I think that that carries me to... Being able to extrapolate on that and say, being able to move through hard things is something we have to practice. It actually means obtaining a set of skills that are larger than one's own personal perspective and being able to apply that in such a way that when hard things come up, I can maintain my humanity and I allow you to maintain yours. I want to talk about Peggy McIntosh for a minute because I think Mm -hmm. she exemplifies in many ways part of that process of being able to move forward. Part Part of what you need to do is you have to be able to critically assess where you are and not just assess what's going on that's wrong outside, but how it is that I'm participating on the inside. For example... If I'll move off of racism just for a second and 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 refer to my granddaughter because she is so alive in my life right now, we have a lot of conversations together, and sometimes she'll say something to me like, "You know, Grammy, so and so is greedy," and I'll go, "Oh, like you never had a greedy thought in your life? Tell me what you understand about greediness," and she'll go, "Huh?" <laughs> and well, give me a time when you felt greedy. And she'll come up with a story, well, what was that like? And her, her, I think she exemplifies how we all are, is that we can see it out there, but we can't see it in here. And I'd like to talk about Peggy here because Peggy went through a very painful process of looking inside to see how she as a white person benefited from moving through a system that, is in her favor. And the process that she went through was asking herself the question, how do I benefit besides education, the education that I received and the educational system itself, how do I benefit? And what she had to go through produced the article that's so popular, the Unpacking the Knapsack of White Privilege, which is sort of a basic article of what does it mean to be white and move through the world. And she very much uh, is able now to take a stand about creating a society that's equitable because she understands the part that she plays in keeping it from being that way and she was able to share that with so many people. But people don't want to do that introspective part because that's where the pain comes up. Oh my God, maybe I'm not such a good person after all. And to be able to move through that to apply it to how I'm part of a system is a very empowering thing actually
2: and I asked myself is there anything except the whole system of knowledge which is working in my favor here at the Wellesley Center for Research on Women and my conscious mind said nope but I asked it to really think on this and, and asked on a daily basis in down to earth ways is there anything except the system of, of knowledge that is working for me and once again my mind said nope and I had to pray on it and I asked my unconscious mind to answer my question if I have anything I didn't earn by contrast with my African-American friends in this building show me and after three months 46 examples had swum up most of them in the middle of the night and if I didn't flick on a light and write them down. They'd be gone by morning because I didn't want to know them. They were messing up my view of myself as a person who'd earned everything I had.
0: And you just heard Pecky McIntosh in the film Making Whiteness Visible, a documentary that seeks to weave together the experiences and stories of white women and men who have worked to gain clarity and understanding of what it means to be white in the United States. And I'm here with... Dr. Shakti Butler and we're talking about the film. Maybe we should talk about where you're actually going to be playing it. It's a work in progress. When do you see it coming out?
1: I better finish it by the end of April (laughs) but if I don't definitely by, by the end of May so soon. We're actually going to show some clips from the video this Sunday on March 12th at the Pacific Film Archive in Berkeley and it's from 2 to 5 and we will be actually having a sample conversation in the audience we're trying to raise money to complete this project and so it is a fundraiser although the entry is free bring their checks bring their open hearts bring their willingness to be part of a solution or be part of a process that's working towards making the world a better place
0: Sometimes we think that white people are not affected, that walk around in the society being disaffected by racism. The fact of the matter is is that they're very much affected.
1: Can you talk about
2: how that yeah. happens? I'd, li-
1: I'd like to give actually two examples, from one from a white perspective and one from a person of color's perspective. And I'm going to refer back to Peggy. She talks about her process of writing the article that she did later on about being able to break through this interior prison state being able to be able to move more freely in a, in a world that isn't hampered by you know who are the good people who are the bad people and all the stereotypes that come along with that um, i think a very poignant example of the difference between being white and being a person of color, and of course this is not an absolute, this is an example, um, is given by Francie Kendall in the film when she talks about a conversation that she had with a Latina uh, about becoming friends and that what this woman said to her literally rocked her world. I think what's so powerful about this is that it's the kind of story... That when it's told, a white person could easily say, she's being hypersensitive. She doesn't have it right. Instead of listening to the story and really hearing this person's experience without making it right or wrong. And that is one of the main points of being able to participate in conversations of the heart. We need to cultivate the capacity to listen and to hear how somebody else has a and experience that's different from our own and to respect that and handle it as if it were true when we get locked into there is only one truth we miss the opportunity to mine the gold to mine the richness of the multiple ways that we walk through the world and being able to hear and understand those different kinds of ways of being actually make us bigger and broader and more multi-layered and
2: multi-textured we were talking about friendships and those of us who are white are frequently interested in friendships and we want to be somebody's friend, particularly with people of color and this Latina said to me, "You know, when you want to be my friend, you decide you want to be my friend, you get up and you walk across the room, you shake hands, you say, "Hi, my name is Francie Kendall what's your name?" And you begin a relationship when people of color decide that they will again try to be friends with a white person we are crawling on our this is what this woman said i'll never forget it we are crawling on our knees over the broken shards of relationships that where we thought we could trust someone
0: You just heard the voice of Francie Kendall in the film, Making Whiteness Visible, where she talks about her personal experience of having a very different view of friendship. Finally, I know that you have intent of this video to create powerful dialogue about this issue and creating those bridges.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the purpose is to have powerful dialogue so that people can change. You know, that's what we want. We want change. We want people to be able to become conscious so that they can make different choices.
0: Different choices. Yes, can different choices.
1: That? Yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, actually, let me say it like this. Uh, I remember uh, being a student and studying a German philosopher by the name of Hegel. And he, he says it very clearly. He says, in the master-slave dynamic or the master-servant dynamic... The master doesn't have to know the world of the slave or the servant. But the very existence of the slave and the servant depends upon knowing the world of the master. That means that something's missing. The master is not having a full range of color and, and context for walking through the world. And the slave or the servant is also missing something, which is freedom. And wouldn't it be powerful if we were able to imagine a dynamic world where we were free able to be at the fullest of our potential as human beings and creating a society where everyone has an opportunity to be the best that they could possibly be that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for making small little steps in creating a world that is more equitable for all people
0: voice of Dr. Shakti Butler. We've been talking about her film project, Making Whiteness Visible, that's due out in April. You can participate in a conversation with Dr. Butler and view a segment of the film in a fundraising event on Sunday, March 12th, from 2 to 5 in the afternoon at the Museum Theater of the Pacific Film Archive which is located at 2575 Bancroft Way in Berkeley. For more information you can call 510- 978-1532. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. If you have any questions or comments about cover-to-cover open book, you can call me at 510-848-6767, extension 212, or drop me a line at amelia, A-M-E-L-I-A, at kpfa.org. Thanks for joining
1: us.
2: We'll set
1: free. Oh, in your eyes. Knowing that I can only be My journey will set me free Cause I me. No time to impress Only God love to give this time to you to receive
0: doesn't mean to be white in this United States. Join producer and director Chakti Butler as she comes to the Bay Area to talk about her latest film, Making Whiteness Visible. You can view a segment of the film featuring notable anti-racism activists like Peggy McIntosh and Tim Weiss at the fundraising event hosted by World Trust and Speak Out on Sunday, March 12th from 2 to 5 in the afternoon at the Pacific Film Archive located at 2575 Bancroft Way in Berkeley. For more information, you can call 510-978-1532.
1: Jim Bennett. For me and many others, this music by Django Reinhardt would indicate the beginning of Jazz, Blues and Folk with Phil Elwood. Phil began his career on KPFA in 1952 and was, for close to 45 years, a source of inspiration and celebration for all kinds of music on KPFA. He helped, I think, create the format for jazz and public and community radio, and in addition was an important writer here in the Bay Area who did much to define and support our music scene throughout the world. On Sunday, March 19th, we'll pay tribute to his lasting legacy, beginning at 11 a.m.